0: Joining us now on the Harbor One Hotline, uh, Dante Scarnecchia, Patriots legend. A uh, a very nice piece before the game on Dante is going into the uh, Patriots Hall of Fame as a contributor coming up in October, and he's kind enough uh, to give us time here on Gresham Fourier. Dante, good morning. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine. Thanks for taking my call, and it's good to be on this morning. Uh, You are always welcome, friend. You have the inside line, and I know you know that. Hey, I just want to, before we get into some of what happened last night, Dante, I have more of a curiosity question for you. Can you watch a football game like a normal person, or is the Dante Skarnecchia coaching brain constantly working while you're just watching an idle preseason game like last night?
1: I think I do it from more of a coaching perspective. You know, I when you can hear what the quarterback's saying, you know, I kind of gravitate towards that. Of course, I watch the I start with the line on either side of the ball and see what they're, you know, see what they're saying, what's the front, you know, then all of a sudden kick it to the play they're running and try to put all that together and just try to watch a game from that perspective and that's pretty much what I do.
2: So and when you guys would uh, uh you know, I guess uh watch the film of a preseason game with uh with not like, you know, your your full, you know, core of offensive linemen, not your best offensive linemen, and things don't go too well, how challenging is it for you to grade backs, quarterbacks and wide receivers if the line isn't quite holding up as much as they should?
1: Well, there's no question, Christian, that that it all starts up there, and it impacts the game and all the rest of it. And you would like, you know, you would like to see the other guys, you know, get given a fair chance to show what they can do. You know, the runners give them some enough holes to enter the line of scrimmage, give enough protection for the quarterback to step up there safely and throw the ball so you can evaluate him. All of it's tied together. There's no question about that. And um, But I do think this. I think that preseason's is a preseason, and especially game one. And all those guys that played last night, and in particular the guys up front, they all were given an opportunity to show what they could do. And uh, I would I would probably guess that it wasn't all bad for some of them. It wasn't all bad probably for all of them. And as a coach, you take the, you take a close look at them, see who has the traits that you covet that you're looking for. And can ultimately say you can ultimately, so you can ultimately say, Hey, this is a guy, you know, that I think he's going to be okay. And that's all you're doing. And all those guys that started last night, were given a great opportunity. And some of them probably did better than others. And, and it's just part of the process right now.
0: Dante, uh, a guy like Connor McDermott, who saw extensive time at right tackle last year, played a lot of right tackles so far in camp, and then he's the starting left tackle in the preseason game. From an expectation from an O-line coach standpoint, is that no big deal? Or is that kind of sending a guy in a little blind considering it's, well, it's game day, we're going to flip you to the other side?
1: Yeah, I think probably, uh, Gresh, that the whole thing right there is, uh, let's see if this guy can be relied upon to play left tackle. See, see what he gives us as a swing tackle, you know, and, and that's probably what the process was. Look at, if they went into a game, let's say, you know, it's Reef, it's he, uh, you know, and then and Trent, you know, and, and now is Connor the guy that's going to be the swing tackle between those three? As you're starting the other two or is you know is it going to be reef or is it going to be trend i don't know i mean but those are all questions that you need to get answered right now and that's the value of having you know uh uh practices against your opponents like they're going to do next week and the week after and the value of a preseason game like last night where you put them over there and you saw what you got and You know, and now now you say, well, it's
2: either this or that. So we're talking to Dante Scarnecchia And, Dante, so as a tight end, right, you're you're on the right side, you're on the left side. And I was one of those guys that it was on the right – when I was on the right side, I was always putting my right hand down. When I was on the left side, regardless of how many times I was told to learn how to put your left hand down, and when I'm on the left side, I just wouldn't do it. I was just more comfortable, and I figured it out that way, right? It was like my own personal three-point stance hack. So I'm wondering – for, uh, so that's part of my position. But for Lyman, how tough is it for, uh, you know, like a guy who is primarily like on a, a right side, whether it be a guard or a tackle, to, to flip everything over in his head and go to the left side? How challenging is that for those guys to adapt to just going from the right to left?
1: I think it is if it's cold turkey, but I think that if, you have designs. Oh, look at when you when you when you bring guys into your program, and especially like these young guys that they drafted out of college this year. You know, if you say to, you say, well, that guy's only a left guard, you're crazier than hell. You got to you got to work that guy on at both sides, and you've got to give him the opportunity to adjust and to be able to learn how to play in a left-handed stance where in college he might have only been a right guard. But you, like as an example, a kid from UCLA, Mofti, you take that guy and you're saying, well, you're only going to play this side. Well, that, that doesn't always float. And so because especially if he's the sixth or seventh lineman to the game, he better have some positional flexibility or you're going to be in a big hurt. And that's up to the coach to, to put him on either side at practice, and, and you know, make him have to learn it that way. I understand what you're saying about the tight end part of it. I think that's unimportant. But I think it is important to have your left hand down on the left and your right hand down on the right. And, <laughs> uh, and so you got to teach him and give him an opportunity to learn it.
2: So if a guy is like, let's say, a, a college guy who is, uh, you know, you, you look at his whole history as a college player, and he came in as a freshman and he played left guard, and then they moved him to right tackle, and then they say, oh, next thing you know, he's playing right guard. How important and desirable are those uh assets as a coach when you're thinking about drafting a player because that work has already been done.
1: I think it's a huge plus for the player. And um, you know, that was we took Logan Mankins out of Fresno State where he had played left tackle. Well the world knew that Logan was going to be a guard, okay? And that's where we drafted him for. But we always said too that he would be our disaster left tackle. We got into a game, and we had multiple guys, multiple tackles hurt, and he was the next man standing, and we said he was going to be our left tackle. And that did come to fruition one time when we were playing Baltimore. We get, we had everybody hurt except for Marcus at right tackle, and, we, and Logan practiced that week at left tackle and started the game, played the whole game, and played – lights out against one of the best players in the league and Terrell Suggs. So, you know, that was a huge advantage we had with Logan was he was a left tackle at Fresno. So we weren't just going to put that aside. That all counts for something. Like I've always said, you know, whatever you've done counts for something. So there it
0: was in Logan's case. Uh, The legend of the Patriots, Dante Skarniecki here with Gresh and Fourier, breaking everything down after preseason game number one. Dante, it's a bit of a two-part question. I'm curious what your trained eyes saw out of Keon White last night. And you evaluate offensive linemen, so you know what a good defensive lineman looks like as well. What are some of the things that stand out to you about a defensive lineman that is technique sound, really knows what they're doing? Uh, Christian and I were talking about it earlier. It looked like there were a lot of good technique things out of Keon White last night. Curious for your thoughts not only on him, but also just sort of what people could look for that you would look for in maybe a defensive tackle that is somebody to really be reckoned with
1: yeah that that guy' he's he's got special traits, you know the size his measurables are pretty extraordinary for the things he he can you know for, that he can do, and especially where they were lining him up in multiple areas. And if I'm not mistaken, he was lining up on the punt team last night. You know, 290 pounds running downfield covering punts. That's kind of extraordinary. And so it's, it looks to me, you know, like they got a guy that is can be problematic. Is he an edge guy? Is he going to be one of those inside guys that you can't touch because he's so quick and, you know, able to get off block so well? So I think, you know, you look at, you know, take him in the second round out of Georgia Tech and you say, wow, man, this guy's he's pretty nice. He's a good player. And I hope it continues for him and for the team, because that could be one of those uh, matchup nightmares. So I like it. I, I think, you know, I, I those are the kind of guys you'd like to get out of the draft. And they certainly got one. So, so did I hit both points or did I need to Well, finish? yeah,
0: no, I was just going to say, you know, what it, with, with defensive like the one thing that that seemed to really stand out to Christian and I was uh the guy's hand placement seemed to be on point. Um and just looking at it from the other side of in in your opinion, what what makes a kind of devastating defensive linemen to have to try to stop on Sundays. Kind of where does it begin for those guys that have those high-end level traits on the defensive side?
1: I think a lot of it has to do with how well they use their hands and and their upper body strength. You know, those guys that can stab you with their hands and push and pull and, you know, and get around you and are able to shed blocks as a result of it, those guys are always tough to handle. It doesn't mean – you're going to stunt them every down but they they can play the technique and then when given the opportunity where you're going to get them up the field and cut them loose and you know they, they just become guys with those traits height weight speed quickness explosion you know they can be real nightmares and uh, especially when singled up uh, when they're doubled, that's one thing when they're doubled in zone blocks that's another thing but you know when you got them one-on-one at you know, then all of a sudden you feel like, oh man, this guy, but we we better make sure that this guy's going to be okay against that guy. And those are the guys that can, they can wreck a game. Like, uh, all right, I'm not making, I'm not saying that Keon White is Aaron Donald, but Aaron Donald's a game wrecker if you're playing against him. And, um, you know, you, you have to take real extensive measures to keep that guy under control, Aaron Donald. And, you know, we'll see where it all goes with this guy. But I don't i don't think anybody didn't like what they saw last night.
2: Yeah, I don't think they did. You're right about that. And I'm curious, just if you had, um, um, like, two options, like which one would you prefer to block? Or actually, more important, I guess, which one is tougher to block uh, on the edge if you're a right tackle or a left tackle? And you only had these two choices, Dante, speed or power? Not the two, not not powery or anything like that, and you know, morphed together, but just a guy who is quick as hell off the edge, or a guy who's real powerful.
1: Yeah, I think those uh, the quick guys, explosive guys, are you know especially off the edge, Christian. You know they're they can be a nightmare because you know everybody uh, considers edge speed as well just run outside and up the field, but those guys that have the ability to start up the field and then suddenly change direction and get back underneath. Those guys are real problems. And guys you have to spend a lot of time and work on. And if you recall, when we were preparing for guys like that, when we would, as an example, get ready for Indianapolis with Mathis and Sweeney or Feeney off at either edge, then that was a case where we couldn't replicate that edge speed other than to take guys in practice and move them, actually start them, on our side of the ball so that the tackles would get, they would get on the tackle so fast because that was going to happen at Indianapolis with the crowd noise, us in silent count. They're just all of a sudden they're at the junction point point in pass rush where you, where it's too late to do anything about them. So we had to take great pains to practice for that type of edge speed. So I'm always going to defer to edge speed as the, you know, the harder of the two.
0: This is another great conversation with Dante Uh Fascinating stuff, as always. Thank you for the time. You're always generous to us with the time, and we're so geeked to be talking to you throughout the football season. I mean, for two football nerds, this is 15 minutes of bliss for us, Dante. Thank you for the time. Enjoy the weekend, and uh, we'll catch up with you next week. Thank you. Look forward to it, and thanks for having me on.